Exactly. Well, <laughs> this is the show where it happens. So, how did everything, uh, how did the crumbly shake out from the fish math? Um, here's, here's, here's something that I didn't go into on the Twitter account. Right. I, 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 I did the fish math correctly, but when I went and I ordered, it turned out to be 24 pieces, by the way, that we needed. Is that just fish or is that fish and chicken? You don't even, we, I know we've discussed this before. But no, no chicken. I just go buy pieces of fish. So I, it's like, I, I would say, and we've discussed this before, but it bears repeating, of course. The uh, Long John Silver's chicken is really good. I think I remember you saying that. Yeah. But I bought 24 pieces. They put them in the bag. I run home. My brother's taking them out of the thing, putting them in the the oven. He's like, there's only 16 pieces here. <gasps> so I what? was like, I was like, I thought they put 12 pieces in each box, but they only put eight pieces in each box. So I was eight short. So I ended up calling up Long John Silver's. And she's like, when were you here? I was like, oh, well, the ticket says that a receipt says that well, it was around 403. And she goes, oh, you have the ticket? I said, yeah, well, what's the number? Like the number, the order number. It was like 40, 80 or whatever. I don't know. And I'm like, I guess she's like, that's all I need. And I gave it to her. She goes, all right, I see you ordered 24 pieces. We thought I'd give 16. I said, well, is there anything I can do about this? Or do I have to come up and buy eight more for that? She's like, no, we could, you could come up now and get eight more. We'll give them to you if that's fine. Or if you can't and we understand like you're, you've driven, whatever, we'll put your name on a list. And when you come in next time, you can get, you'll get eight free pieces of fish. And I was like, no, I'm having dinner, Christmas Eve dinner. I need, she's like, come right up. You'll be just man- find a manager or somebody who like, you know, who's not like doing the grunt work because the line's really long. Get them and you'll be, you'll jump to the front of the, the list for eight pieces. And, 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 and I walked in, I was like, I talked to somebody real quick. I was like, can I speak to a manager? Manager came out, said what? And I was like, I just called and she's like, uh, and she literally went to the window where they like, they, they hand out the pieces. She's like eight pieces, put them in a box and just walked around and handed them to me. And she's like, have a Merry Christmas. See ya. There you go. So I was like, you know, like in this world of, you know, your, your big box stores that you fight with and stuff like that. It was nice to, it was nice to just, you know, then be like, all right, here, you know, this is a busy day. We screw up. So taking my word for it. Now, now it's the, the long box heroes, uh, fish opportunity where I'm just going to always order, uh, six to, well, I guess cause they saw that I ordered 24. They're like, oh, well, what does he want? You know, another eight pieces on top of that 32 pieces. He must be hungry. <laughs> and so I'm going to try and steal fish next year. My friend Todd had a bad experience. I need to spell experience correctly. Mm-hmm. And the only reason made I good by a manager at your what store was it, Todd? The Dixon City one. Dixon City location on Christmas Eve. The only Hashtag reason I did, fish math. Yeah, the only reason I didn't uh, 
like and not like be bo- doing it out on Twitter was because I had at that point it was like I don't have time for this shit. I gotta run, get the fish, and we were cutting it close. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, I, then I gotta run home and change because you know I had you know fish crumblies all over my shirt from the drive home. No white sauce though. I got enough of that. So I tweeted that out. That was nice. And I did, well, it's just because I didn't want to include in there, I did add in, uh, miracles can happen. Okay. And I did not want to put in there, my friend Todd is bad at Twitter. I didn't want to bury you. I'm putting you over in the <laughs> oh. hopes that these folks noticed. You now, should, did you put it in, into the stream that yes, I had now, going I, on? I think we may be yelling into a void because <laughs> it appears as though the last time there was any activity on the Long John Silver's Twitter account was August 1st. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Josh joined them for lunch. Yes. I wonder if I know that Josh. I doubt no, it. No, no. He's from Daytona Beach. I checked. Mm, that's a good beach. But I'm I'm sad that there was any sort of kerfuffle with your uh, fish math. I hope your <laughs> family was okay with this. Well... Only one person in the family knows. The father doesn't know. He never got uh, he, he never got whiff of it. What's his and, Twitter account? Can I tweet him and tell him? Yeah, How Strawberry you Cowboy. Up fish math. He's Strawberry Cowboy. Oh, stra- all right. Hang on. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real Twitter handle. Let or me not. see. <laughs> he used to joke that that was his CB handle back in the day when he was a trucker. Strawberry Cowboy. There does not appear to be anyone on Twitter with the handle Strawberry Cowboy. Mm-hmm. There is someone who is small and gray straw, who's like, uh, like their their Twitter handle Ten Four Good Buddy is small and gray straw, but their name, their display name, is Strawberry Cowboys plural. Again, uh, I think not related. Also, have not tweeted since August first. Oh, my goodness, Todd. Did we just stumble upon the biggest conspiracy in the history of fish math? I think we may have. All right. But it was a good it was a good uh, Christmas Eve. How was your uh, Christmas notwithstanding? Um, Christmas Eve was fantastic. Christmas Day was a borderline disaster. Oh, no. Yes. Um, Christmas Care to rap some- with me about it, good buddy? Sure, I'll tell you if you want there. I do. Uh, we we are going to get to the movie. We are going to discuss uh, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy, I assure right. you. But we're recording this on Christmas Day evening. Right. So, so we don't take days off. What? We don't take days off. No, we don't. We enjoy um, our Italian ice, though. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, basically what happened was Christmas, like I said, was fine. Christmas Day, I get a call from my sister-in-law during cooking beginning of food prep my fa- my brother just came, violently got ill had came down with the flu like literally had to run outside and uke into the bushes and he went and he laid down and he wasn't feeling good so my sister-in-law took over now my sister-in-law can cook but not like like cook cook like my brother can where it's all right i know when to put everything in so you have all these like different time things coming out at the same time and it just went completely off the rails 
like the ham, I think was like, you know, like burnt and the turkey, the turkey was okay, but it just all that. And then like, no, like everybody who was coming to, to Christmas dinner was like almost like most of them didn't come because they don't want to get sick. So it was basically like me, my sister-in-law, uh, my sister-in-law's mother, her, her friend, and my sister, my sister-in-law's brother. And that was it. That was, and there was like way more people coming. And it was just like a small, real quick get together. And then boom, I came, I came home because I was like, all right, I ate. Now I'm going home so I don't get sick. But that stinks. Is your dad okay? Um, my dad doesn't come to Christmas day dinner. Oh, okay. Because he has, he, he goes with my, stepmother's family okay for, i for that i misunderstood because i thought you know because you know with it was the, my brother who got sick your brother got sick but i was just wondering because again with your dad and the fish and i know everything else and okay i wasn't i get confused on where the families get split you know what i mean right well even all the way back we had multiple like different things we would do for both sides of my father's and mother's family and then when they got divorced it got even more confusing mm-hmm so, and then, like, everybody remarried, and it was like, all right, we had more families. So, it got, all, it got all fucked up there for a while. But everything's good now. I'm home. I, I watched Kids in the Hall, Strangers with Candy, and stuff like that. Stop it. What? Uh, so, the the extent of my Christmas was, um, Christmas Eve was at my dad's house. Mm-hmm. Everyone smokes. A lot of food being cooked. I overate, and I felt like garbage. I, like, yep. woke up in the middle of the night, like not feeling well. I didn't uke into the snowbank like your brother mm-hmm. did. Yep. But I definitely did overeat. Uh, my son had made the proclamation on Tuesday that he was going to sleep in on Christmas Day or on Monday. <laughs> He's like, I'm sleeping in. I'm not getting up until like 9. I, you know. So we were out late at my folks' house. Uh, we don't get home until like 9.30. He passes right out. We're up late getting all the Christmas shit together. And uh, five to seven, he barges into my room. Dad, Santa came, wake up. And I just say, <laughs> what happened to sleeping in? And what was his snappy rapport that, with that? Mom won't let me open gifts without you. Come on. I would have told him, you, don't let your ass write a check. You Don't let your mouth write a check. Your ass can't cash. We're not opening anything till nine. And I would have locked him in his room. No. So he got everything he wanted. He got his weight in Pokemon cards, mm. and uh, he got the two the two popular games that everyone wants for the Switch: Bone Storm and uh, Lee Carvalho's Putting Challenge. <laughs> and oh, I... he watches The Simpsons, mm-hmm. and I make him watch full episodes now, so he gets that joke. Right? I because we took him to like this Santa Village gimmick down in like Reading. <laughs> oh right. sh- shit! I forgot to tell you about that. Uh. Uh, just to let everyone kind of know the secret of everything that's going on, uh, Todd delivered his gift to me, which we opened up uh, on the main show. And I loved my gift, and Todd double loved his gift that I got him. True. <laughs> so he had to come down the house on Monday make a special trip uh, in the middle of the fish math uh, voyage to deliver his gift. And I forgot to... I, I, I forgot to mention to you, we went to this Christmas village thing. We're just like, kind of like, uh, you know, like maybe like a football s- s- field sized area that they have like corn doned off with like fences and they have all like lighted displays and Christmassy stuff right down in Reading. 
I was unaware that this thing existed until, you know, this year, and we go to it, and it opens at 4.30, and April's like, oh, we're going to get down there early, and I'm like, okay, so we get down there, and it's like a little bit before 4, and it's cold outside, and we're standing in a line, and it's not that bad of a line, you know, it's maybe like a line about 25 people deep to go see Christmas lights, but in the grand scheme of things, my kid never got a chance to give his list to Santa, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like a transaction that needs to happen for the magic of Christmas to be a thing. Sure. So we go there. We go immediately make our beeline to Santa, make sure that list gets in. And then we look at all the displays. And we're maybe there for an hour. Maybe. And then we're walking back to our car. And that line that we were in before, where we were 25 deep in, Mm -hmm. that line's now 100 people deep. We look out on the road... Going out is fine. Coming in, it must be backed up at least two miles. Okay. Of people trying to get into this place so they could look at Christmas lights. And that's what Christmas is all about, Todd. It is. It is about waiting in lines for lights. Mm-hmm. And... How's that Italian nice? It's very good. I tried to scoop your heat and get everyone to go to IHOP mm-hmm. for dinner that night. But uh, instead, my wife superseded us, and we went for a hibachi. So, oh, that sounds delightful. It was very good. So, is are we going to IHOP anytime soon? Yeah, yeah, we got to figure that out. Uh, sometime, like... sometime before the thirty first. What? Okay. Of this month. All right, I'm just making sure. You never know. Now, uh, we could do it. This what's what's your Saturday looking like? Right now, I do, I'm not 100. I have to make a few uh, discussions with people to see what I'm doing this weekend. Fine. So I'll get back to you on that. All right, I could see it's tentatively for Saturday because I was thinking Friday, but I remember I have uh, wrestling on Friday, mm. and uh, yep. I'll be like I'll be home late ish. But then I have work in the morning. Right. No, I'm not writing that. So, like, it's like, hey, do you want to meet up at the Wilkes-Barre IHOP at 1 in the morning on Friday into Saturday? Most likely I wouldn't be doing anything. Right. But then I, like, we'll do our thing. We'll record what we have to record. You'll enjoy your meal. And then I'll go home and sleep for three hours and then go to work. And be happy. Well, eventually. Right. So, let's get down to business here, Todd. We have a movie to discuss. Now, I want to uh, point out, I I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes information on this film last week, right? Right. And Rotten Tomatoes had the film's release date as 1999. And I'm like, that doesn't feel right. It says, in theaters, January 1st, 1999, on DVD, July uh, 2002. And I'm like, those numbers don't feel right to me. So I went and I did more research in between last week and this week's episode, and I knew it had come out earlier than that. It actually came out in 1996, uh, April 12th, and this was back before, you know, the the summer rolled into, uh, you know, the summer now starts in April, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? It starts earlier than that, no. Right. So... Uh, just to give you an idea of what the film landscape looked like uh, that same weekend that Kids in the Hall Brain Candy opened up. 
Uh, the film Getting Away with Murder was also out. Uh, the film Getting Away with Murder is something starring like Jack Lemon and Dan Aykroyd. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, another film called James and the Giant Peach, which was what won for the weekend. Uh, another movie called Fear came out that weekend starring uh, Marky Mark and Reese Witherspoon. Right. Not to be confused with what was the number one movie at the uh, box office that weekend, which was Primal Fear, starring Richard Greer and uh, Edward Norton, if you're familiar with that film. Vaguely. Okay. Um, so that was number one in its second week. The Birdcage was like the big hot movie that was like, it's a, in its sixth week of the top five, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Kids in the Hall Brain Candy in its opening weekend was was 13th place <laughs> on by far the lowest screen count of any movie that opened up that weekend uh i'm not sure what its gross wa- or, or what its budget was but its overall domestic gross was 2.6 million dollars mhm <laughs> now i, I was shocked uh, retroactively here that this film got such a low uh, release schedule because it was released here. Like, a movie like this, typically, that has an opening weekend of a hundred and... What is it? It opened on 163 screens. And it didn't go much wider than that in the following week, you know? <laughs> I think it might have even been in less. Um, No, no, the theater count did go up. The following week, they did add 250 screens the following weekend. Right. And it fell to 14th place, making (laughs) somehow less money, being on two and a half times more screens. But again, also to give you more of an idea of the time that we're living in, also opening in that week, also opened up in theaters that weekend on a much, 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 much smaller scale was the Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie. Okay. Okay. So there's the time frame, the comedy world in which we're living. So as we had discussed last week uh, on the show, it's based on the uh, sketch comedy show Kids in the Hall. Uh, Scott Thompson, Kevin McDonald, uh, Bruce McCollum, Mark McKinney. They are your main players on the show. They play a variety of roles and they put it over of like, oh, 32 roles across the five troopers and so on and so forth. Uh, so, are you describing the plot? I could. All right, you describe the plot. All right, it starts out with, like, a homeless guy, like, staring in a window and chasing down a cab. And then we get a voiceover from, I, I, at this point I wasn't sure, but it, it did turn out to be the cab driver who's talking about how this is the story about how everybody uh, gets happy. But in the end, maybe there wasn't a happy ending. He's kind of talking, and he's like, and it reminds him of an old song his mother used to sing about how life is short, life is shit, and soon it will end. Which uh, it's it's much better in its native Croatian. Right, right. So, 
So like we're seeing different people. And at this point I didn't know, know what to make of it. Like, then we go to, we cut to a rave and there's a Glenn Danzing esque character who's singing depressing songs at the, at this like club or whatever. And he's talking about everything shit and everything, you know, like terrible. And there's people like burning themselves with cigarettes at, at, at this. And then like that is something else. And we cut to a guy who's sitting in his bedroom watching uh gay porn you know just whacking his carrot mr november (laughs) mr november so while that's going on the wife comes home and they're like well so what's going on it's like oh dad's upstairs jerking off to gay porn again so like he hears the wife come in he like dumps water down him and and, like mr denials on. he's like yeah i was up taking a shower and that's why i'm all wet and like as it goes on like this character probably made me crack up the most as uh as as we're going now this scene that i wrote down kind of confuses me because i don't remember if these characters ever came back where there's just a guy and a girl who were breaking up uh, because they don't get along, and he stole a pest control van. <laughs> right. So they they were like recurring characters from the show. They never come back in the movie, but they were recurring characters from the show. Fair enough. I was kind of like, because I figured as it went on that because the, all these characters that we're talking about showed up again, that these people wouldn't. I was like, did I miss them or something? And then later on, when we get to them, are the two cops that are in this movie uh, recurring characters? Yes. Okay, that's that's another thing that I those I figured they seemed like like reoccurring uh, characters. Uh, then they cut to a therapist who's 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 listening to a man speak in German about uh, his problems, and then the therapist is like, "I don't speak German." And German is like, "Oh, like my uh, my nipples run dry with despair, or something like that." I'm not sure what he said, but it was. Uh, Kind of ridiculous. So now they're setting up like that people in the world are depressed and these are some of the characters that you're going to see. So we cut to like a depression lab where they're, they're working on, on depression and we see a bunch of the, the, the scientists that are working there, a guy with like a monkey on his shoulder and other people doing stuff. And we see a giant blackboard and one of the scientists, scientists is writing a huge equation. And in the end, it, it he just writes equals happy. So apparently, like, whatever he is just, you know, thought up is going to equal happiness, Joe. So uh, they they end up figuring out that it's like a drug that they can, that'll get rid of depression. And they start testing it on this old lady. And I forget what her number was. 957? Uh, yes. 957. Um, Miss Hordaker. Yes. I don't remember what the names are. That's the problem because there's so many characters that are reoccurring as different people. Uh, there's, you know, like, the, y- y- you get your main character, uh, you know, and you get your, like, your basics of things, you, and I don't want to tip the hand too quick, but, um, what, like, whatever the hell Dave Foley's character is, who's the lackey to the guy who runs the chemical company. I think his name is Alex, but I'm not sure. Okay. Right, well, see, that's what I'm getting at. A lot of times they don't mention, they didn't mention their names until the end, mm-hmm. like, like Alex, the the guy who's uh, uh, Don's Marv. assistant. He's Ma- what? Dave Foley's character is Marv, the the the, the, the sidekick to the. the oh, okay, it's yeah. Marv. Yes. All right, so they don't really mention that I think until the like towards the end of the movie. So early on, I'm like, I don't know wh- what the names of these people are, and then if you IMDb it, it's like they're multiple characters. Right. So. 
So, uh, but they're going to give the, the lady the, the, the test and she's like, what is it? And it's like, it's a thing chemically that's going to reach into your brain chemically and find the happiest thought chemically and then walk into it and keep it in your happy place chemically. And they're like, she's not an idiot. Just give her the fucking pill. Right. So they end up giving her the pill and she goes like, there's all this like brain, like, uh, CGI, amazing. 1996 CGI. Yeah. That her brain is like clicking and they cut to her happiest memory, which is her at Christmas and her asshole son shows up. And he's like, eh, we're here, you know, uh, sorry we're late, but you know how the kids hate old people and everything. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, that's okay, as long as, you know, we're all together for Christmas. And the kids are like, you're stupid, you got me this last year, and uh, throws it down. And he's like, yeah, yeah, so uh, I hear dad's dead, I need, a, I need an eggnog over there. And he goes over, instead of grabbing eggnog, he just pours a scotch. Straight, he chugs it. She's like, "Oh, you know, everything's great. Well, we're gonna have dinner soon." He's like, "Yeah, I gotta go, ma." Um, she's like, "Oh, you really gotta go?" And he's like, "Yeah, here's your gift. I wonder what it is." And they're like, "It's it's a harmonica." And just oh, she just leaves. It's like like that's her greatest memory, <laughs> her happiest place. I was like, "All right, that that uh that that kind of made me laugh." She was like it. And then she's trying to describe the feeling, and it's like it's like uh, uh, it's like God was rubbing my tummy was the way she describes the feeling that she gets. Um, so then we cut to the pharmaceutical company. Well, no. So what 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 happens from there is they 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 they're happy because they had a breakthrough with this, right? All right. Yes. And they're like, all right, they're like, we still got a lot of testing to do. We still got a whatever, whatever, whatever. And then Dave Foley shows up as a random character. Right, And yes. again, this is one of those things for me that I would still do all the time. No where it's just like this guy who has nothing to do with anything shows up. And he's like, all right, guys, let's go out and celebrate. And they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm, ju- I'm just a guy. That's right. He's like, I, he's like, I think we got something real successful here. <laughs> like, yeah, who are you? Just, just, uh, somebody. So they, so that's it. Now they cut to the, of them to the, checking to see what socks. Right. Because he's, he's on the helicopter coming to the pharmaceutical meeting and they're like, well, what's the mood? And he's like, well, I can't really gauge what, what the mood is. And he's like, well, what's his socks? And he says, uh, uh, socks are red. And Dave Foley's character like just freaks out and he goes running and he's like, red socks, red socks. So they end up pulling up the blue carpeting and rolling out red, uh, red carpeting to match the socks. Um, so he's, he's like, you know, obviously they're showing that he could be a bit of a jerk, I think. So he comes in, he's like, good job. Everybody's like saying hi to him and he's like, ah, and he's just being like an asshole. And at one point he's like, even like Dave Foley's character says like, uh, good morning. He's like, today we're saying morning. Like, yeah, wasn't good morning yesterday. And he's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, he, he asked for the room. And he gets, you know, and basically it's this huge empty room. He makes all the execs leave and he just screams that his empire is crumbling and there brings them all back in, sits them down and says, we need something like when I created stummies, <laughs> which are just in bowls all over the table. 
And that's when, like, he's like, oh, stummies, stummies. And they're all, like, eating them. And they're just, like, crunching them annoyingly. And it took me a minute to figure out that stummies were, like, Tums. Because there's, like, posters on the wall. But I was watching it on my Kindle Fire, Joe. Oh, listen to you. They're not a sponsor. Well, no, Amazon is a sponsor. They, uh... So the poster was really small. So all I could read was stummies. That agrees with you or something. So I was figuring it was for upset stomachs. You know what I mean? Right. But, so, uh, and- I, I do, okay, so I just want to interject here real quick. So the guy who runs the chemical, uh, whatever, played by Mark McKinney, uh, Don Rorator, because Rorator Chemicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot how his uh, character, like the, the char- as he's playing him, is supposed to be Lauren Michaels. Is that who it's supposed to be? Yes, but... You have to remember, this was three years prior, or maybe like a little bit, like maybe two years prior to Mike Myers doing Dr. Evil, which was like the definitive rib on Lauren Michaels. Okay. Where I, I think didn't know that. this works a little bit better because it's like much more subdued. Subtle. It's subtler. Yes, yes. That's so, all. Then, Just wanted to there's, mention there's, that. No, no problem. Then there's a great moment where he's like, after the meeting's done, he's like, we get, we need to come up with something big, or uh, you know, we're gonna uh, turn, like, we're gonna shut down the, 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 the we're gonna cut oh, the budget, the research budget by sixty percent. So, right, if unless we can come up with something, and then he's standing in like the largest room in the in the city with the longest table, and he's like, he just goes, he's like, so that's what we got to do. And when are we gonna get the big table in here? Do I have to fucking cut the tree down myself? <laughs> right. And like literally, people like are doing the ha ha laugh, like the 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 yes man laugh. And I real, I honestly think in this scene it was improv because there was one guy that he actually just cracked up. Like there's one guy laughing. I'm like that guy isn't doing a fake laugh. He was caught. He was caught unaware. Far far as as far as I was concerned. But I just like looking at that table, which is comically oversized. Joke. Yes. And he's like, when's the big table getting here? So uh, they, they they go down to the, the lab, and this is when Encino Man shows up. And what Brendan uh, Fraser. A fantastic cameo by um, Brendan Fraser. Right. And he's get, taking the pill, and he's like, and he's got like all, he's all pimply. <laughs> and he's like, this isn't making me happy. All I'm doing is getting fat and. And I gained eight pounds, and this is just sugar. I'm in the placebo group, aren't I? I'm in the placebo group, <laughs> which I thought was kind of amusing because, you know, they're just giving him sugar pills, and he's – the guy's just like, just take it, you know, and he ends up giving it to him, and they're watching the the thing. And so that's really, like, all of his character right there in that scene. There's maybe another one. Um and they're walking down, and then the lady, the original test subject, 957, is in a gyroscope. They just have an old lady in a gyroscope for no apparent reason asking uh, how how she feels. Right, they're asking if she has any side effects. And she's like, I'm a little dizzy. <laughs> right, dizzy. Uh, <laughs> unrelated to the drug. <laughs> right. So then they're like, okay, good, good. And then they just fire up the gyro <laughs> again and walk away. <laughs> Um, and then now we get to see, uh, a little more of the, uh, 
the, the group of scientists who, who helped create this drug. And they just cut to like, uh, I forget what her name is, the, the female of the group, the guy playing the girl. Um, and she's like, Oh, like this urine is great. And they're like, Oh, because that's just a, a great cold line, like for, for a, for a scene switch. And they're like, Oh, well, the liver's fine and everything. And, but we, we, we think we have a breakthrough here, but the head scientist is like very skeptical. He's like, we, we have to do this. You know, we have to test it, everything. Like he's very about the procedure. And then Dave Foley's character comes down, Marv, and he's like, well, we got to go upstairs. And like, what's he's like, going on? Chris, could I have five yeah. minutes of your time? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just like havoc in the lab. <laughs> They're coming out there. Like there's like people taking equipment and, he, and, and, uh, the, uh, his name is Chris Cooper, I think, is the, the, the character's name, the scientist. Right. And he's just got a manicness to him as this character that's all throughout the movie. <laughs> and he's like, like, what's going on? He's like, nothing. Everything's going to be fine. And people are just running up to him. They're like, did you hear that Don was shot? And another person comes up. We're being bought out by the Japanese. And then another person comes up. Did you hear the Japanese were shot? So it's like all the like the the telephone game. Like people are are hearing all this stuff. But it's it literally like a, not, happens on his walk to the elevator. Right. It's like it's literally one person, then a, like another person just comes as the first person's finishing their sentence. Another person starts the second sentence, and there's like a guy worried about his lab animals, and and uh, so they 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 go upstairs, and before he gets there, there's a, there's another scientist in there, and they're like, well, what's your big idea? And it's like a pill, <laughs> a pill that gives your ex girlfriend worms. Excuse me, <clears throat> as played by Bruce McCullough. Well, it's a pill <laughs> that gives worms ex girlfriends. Hmm. Um, interesting. Uh, does it have any other applications? Could it be given to ex-boyfriends, per se? No! It's a pill that gives worms to ex-girlfriends. <laughs> These guys, they just don't get it! It's so, <laughs> like... Fresher. A fresher in parlance. Is that what it is? No. He, he, uh, he and I, amongst a bunch of other people, Studebaker, amongst many others... We went to go see this movie together in the theaters, and we used to watch this movie so often. And mm-hmm. that would be one of his go-to impressions of <laughs> that specific guy. And right. it would always be, it would be something that gives something to something. And then right. we would be like, well, could it be given to, you know, whatever. And then, like, we would play that little gay games, whatever. And uh, <laughs> when that came up, I completely forgot and I was, as I was watching it, I was like, so again, the uh, movie is in full on YouTube. Uh, again, I don't know how much money they invested in this, but the fact that it made less than $3 million, I'm sure no one cares that this film is just out there existing for free. They couldn't make money on it in 1996. They're not going to make money on it in 2018. But also, like, the entire movie is up there in clips. Like, every scene is its own separate YouTube thing. So as I'm watching, I'm just tweeting out clips of the movie. Like, oh, I forgot this, I forgot this, I forgot this. It's so good. Oh, sorry. No problem. So, I love that. I know you got your, your smoker's cough from Christmas. So. Oh, yes, I do. So, like, now we get another another <laughs> scientist. Are you okay, Joe? Go ahead. 
<laughs> and he's like, well, what Don's like, what ideas do you have? And he's like, he's like, um, I've come up with a, a bigger, a, a bigger stummies. And he's like, cause he and I like, like it. Oh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> and they're just going like, yeah, this and that. And he's, and he's like, well, this, I'm down with this bigger stummies. It, I mean, is there any side effects? Well, there's a few, as long as it's not, you know, flipper babies or anything. <laughs> there have been a few flipper babies. Well, there were a few flipper babies. Right. They just toss them out of the room. Right. They and then that's when uh Chris Cooper's character the character Chris Cooper's coming in and they're just dragging that scientist uh, down the hall as he's coming to the big doors and he's just like, It was only a few flipper babies. Oh my god. Now you younger folks may not remember the flipper mm-hmm. babies. Right. Love so, Canal, was that it? Was that? Love Canal, where they had this, the, the, the chemicals? No, no, no. Um, that was, I think in the 50s, there was a, uh, pill that they made to help people, uh, thalidomide. Oh, yes, yes. So, thal- uh, thalidomide was, uh, given to mothers during pregnancy to prevent morning sickness and to help them sleep. And the side effect to it was flipper babies. And it was a long time before they took it off the market. Right. Because the 50s were a different time, folks. That's when doctors told you have a cool, refreshing cigarette on TV. Right. So uh, now Chris Cooper's just out in front of Don... And he's like, what do you have? And he's like, uh, basically, because he's realizing what's happening now, that if he doesn't come up with something, that they're going to just, you know, shut down his lab. So he, he says, I have a cure for depression. And they're like, well, you know, what what do you know about it? And I, I like this bit. He's like, well, I don't have my notes. And that's when the person behind him just hands him all his notes. He's like, well, I guess I. I, I, I kind of do. And he ends up like Don's asking me like, is it ready? And he basically says, yes, he's like, it, it is, it is ready. So then now it's funny. It's like a reversal. He's, he, they cut to him, like, you know, with the, the, the other scientists who helped him create it. And he's like, he's like, I, I think we're going to go to this. And now they're apprehensive about it. But he's like, oh, we're going to do this. We're, we're going to do this. And he's like, maybe we should just go and, you know, celebrate. And then, like, the random guy shows up again. He's like, yeah, let's get a drink. He's like, it sounds like a plan. Um, so they end up going to the bar. And there's, like, all the, like, this is, like, where they just do random scenes of people, you know, having fun. And there's a bit where, like, uh, this happened to me. And every time I've gone drinking with my friends where you ask, he's like, all right, I'm going up to the bar. Who wants one? He's like, you want one? All right, you want one? All right, you want one? And because there's only three people and they all want a drink, it's not that hard. But, you know, there's like when you're drunk, when there's multiple people, you'll be like, wait a minute, did I get everybody? And you'll go back. You're like, what, who wanted? And everybody's just like raising their hand. They're like, ah, oh, come on. Do you want one? Like, even though they just said yes, they're like, I don't know. You come on. And the one guy's like literally got his hand up. He wants two, but he never acknowledges it. He's like, he's making the peace sign. He's like, two. And he's like, just go around and he goes. And there's like, uh, the one guy's like riding the, the, the big fake elephant in the, in the bar. And this is when we find out, I think the, the, the female scientist's name is Alice, maybe. Um, Alice has feelings for, for Chris Cooper and they're going to like kiss or whatever. And then they're not. They're yes, like, yes, Alice. Alice. No, I can't. Okay. 
okay, I can kiss you. And this goes on, like, just, like, just kind of the right amount of long. And then Alice just runs out that she can't do it, which is going to be her trademark move in this movie where she just runs away. Uh, Her no. Her no. Yes. (laughs) But uh, before that happens, I'm sorry. This is something that actually made me laugh really hard. Be okay, Joe. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> He's like, you know, I just want to say, my father suffered from depression. <laughs> I didn't know, right? And he, she goes, he goes, yes. And they cut back <laughs> to this kid. And he's like, he's play, he's fixing, like doing the your bikes upside down. And he's like fixing the tire and everything. The, the father comes home and he just looks, and he's the same character. So it's him playing his father. And he's like, oh, I'm home. He's like, did you clean the house like a good boy? Yeah, dad, I did. He's all happy. He's like, did you get under the refrigerator, son? Yeah, dad, I did. Did you get my gun good and clean? But it's like, it's the delivery goes. Did you clean my gun? <laughs> Did you clean? Yeah, he's like, it's like, yeah, dad. I got. He's like, good boy. He's like rubbing his face with the back of his hand, and he just starts walking to the house, and his briefcase falls open, and there's just papers blowing out of it. And he walks up the steps. He turns to the door, and he's got a profile, and he grabs the door, and he just goes, <sighs> opens it up. He goes inside. And all of a sudden, you just hear a gunshot. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know that's coming. You know they've set up the joke. You know what village, you're, what exit you're getting off at. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, or I'm like, do you know, you? And boom, my foot. <laughs> you just hear my foot. And then you hear another gunshot. And it's like, oh, my other foot. <laughs> and then they cut back to the bar in current time. And he's like, yep. And two hours later, he hit a vital organ and died. <laughs> I'm like dark. I was gonna say that there's another podcast I listen to called The Film Vault, and they'll do like top ten whatevers, right? They'll do like mm-hmm. top ten lawyers in movies or top ten car chases or whatever it is. They did top ten dark scenes, mm-hmm. and this was number one for the one co-host. Oh, uh, I could think of one darker. <laughs> okay, but. is it uh, uh, George C. Scott? Uh, in hardcore, when the the movie comes on, he just starts yelling, "Turn it off!" because it's his daughter in the film. No, there's one. I forget what the movie was, but it had some something about Mary, that uh, girl in it, and there was a couple other actors, and they go off to a uh, a bachelor party. Oh, I hate I uh, uh, I hate that fucking movie. Right, but there's a dark scene in there. Oh, where they're like all like uh, limbless at the end. That's a dark scene, but the scene where the they kill the hooker, okay, and the guy's like, yeah, I got, and he's all coked up, and he's and he's fucking the hooker in the bathroom, and he bangs her head on the the, the coat rack, and the the coat hook goes into her brain and kills her, and she's just hanging off the coat rack, and he's like, and he's just he's going to town, and I remember seeing that scene, I was like. I'm nauseous. I mean, the, I went to see the movie. I, I'll agree with you. It's not a great movie. But that scene, and, like, he finishes. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, like I don't know. To me, that's just one of the, the darkest scenes in, in, in a movie I've ever seen. But I can't remember the name of that movie. But uh, I think 
Go ahead. Continue with your discussion of the film. I'll look it up. Right. Um, so once again, the they cut to the morning uh, after the drinking and uh, the Dr. Cooper, Chris, uh, scientist Chris, he's called upstairs and he's all hung over from drinking. And as he comes in the door, there's just like another cold line. And it's just uh, it's this character, Cisco, just saying, but respectfully, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I think we know. Um, what we're gonna get from this character and Cisco, the head of marketing. Oh well, and they're right. So they right. <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. Get Cisco's my Cisco could quite possibly be one of my top five favorite characters in movie history. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, movie uh, the Cameron Diaz movie is very bad things. There you go. It had many very bad things. And I just as a side note to that, there was another movie that was the exact same premise, but it was like the B-list cast that came out around the same exact time. What you're saying, Hollywood would put two movies out around at at the same time that were uh, similar? Yes. Like Uh literally the same exact plot. Guys go to bachelor party, kill a hooker and try to hide it. And I remember the other one. Because John Henson from Talk Soup was in it. Okay. But continue. Right. So, like, uh, now Don, the, 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 the head guy, he's like, uh, like, wh- what do you think of, you know, like, what, what do you think of Orange? And he's like, <laughs> like, like, for what? And then just goes like, for the fucking, you know, like, the color of the, the pill. He's like, well, the, 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 the pill on its own is like a, is a crystal blue kind of a thing. And they're just like, orange it is. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, and that's, is there anything else there with Cisco? I forget. All right. Oh my God. Is there anything else there with Cisco? So right. he comes in and Cisco says, you don't look like a plate of croissants. Yeah. That, that's what he's telling. <laughs> and like, Chris is all confused. And he goes, what am I supposed to do? Gnaw off my fucking hand? <laughs> yeah. So they sh- they they kind of just like shush Chris away, Doctor Cooper away. The the color of the pill is going to be orange, okay? Mm-hmm. And then Cisco, of course, head of marketing, uh, t- tells everyone a story. Now it's a story I know verbatim, okay? Because <laughs> again, Cisco is fantastic, right? And uh, he goes. Yeah, so the other day I was driving my really, whatever the fucking really expensive sport car, uh, he's driving, and all of a sudden, it hit me. The name of the drug? No, bird! Hit my windshield. <laughs> and I got real depressed, and the girl goes, not you, Cisco. <laughs> yeah. Okay? When anyone ever says, I got real depressed, whether they know what I'm talking about or not, I say, not you, Cisco. <laughs> Right. It's okay, a joke see, for me. God damn it. And now it's a joke for everyone. Fair enough because there's a scene in between those two scenes. Okay. Where where Cooper goes downstairs and he's talking, he comes in and he he runs into Alice again. And Alice is he's like it's all happening too fast and she's like, "Well, I won't talk to you for a week." And he's like, "What?" And she's like, eh, it just doesn't matter. And she ends up like running off sad because he thinks he's talking about their relationship, but he's talking about the, the drug 
being pushed forward. And he runs into 957 again and she's like, he's like, how you doing? She's like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm great. Uh, and I haven't felt this happy since they told me it wasn't malignant. And I'm just like, end of, that's all the explanation that you get. And he, uh, the old lady hugs him. And then they, uh, Alice sticks her head around the corner again and sees him and runs off again in her like panicked mode. And that's when you cut back upstairs to Cisco in his $62,000 car. Right. So <laughs> Gleamax. Right. I'm cleaning, I'm cleaning the gleaming guts of the bird off my windshield. And that's when I thought of it. The name of the drug, Gleamax. And I even thought of the name of the, the slogan for the drug. It mm. makes it feel like it's 72 degrees in your brain all the time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you would think that this throwaway character with this throwaway story about the bird hitting his windshield would be a one-off and never come back. Oh, it does. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll get back to it later. Mm-hmm. But again, we're a little all over the place on this. So very bad things was the uh, the the Cameron Diaz, whomever else was in that movie, right? Favreau, I think. Right. A year earlier, 1997, a movie called Stag came out where right. so and so returns home. To find out that his friends have uh, arranged a surprise bachelor party for him, two strippers hired, one of the men accidentally kills one of the strippers, and then the rest of the bachelor party has to cover up the murder. Right. Then a year later, Very Bad Things comes out. And I remember seeing Stag on, like, HBO or some shit. And then I start seeing the commercials for Very Bad Things. And I'm like, this is the same fucking movie! What the hell is going on? Anyway... Well, you were probably, were you upset when uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon came out like an hour between each other? Nah, I was all right with that. Oh, that one you were okay with. Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, now there's, they're showing like that the, the drug is in, in, is in, uh, released and they cut to the homeless guy from the beginning and he's now a security guard with a gun thanks to. The biggest gun in the world, by the way. I think it's, I think it might be a 66 Magnum. It's not as big as the 88 Magnum, but it's close. <laughs> so, um, but it's all thanks to, to, to Gleamax. 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 That is good. Gleamax, Gleamax. Who cares? Um, so now we find, I know you care. Uh, so this, uh, Cooper, the scientist. Oh, you did forget the part where they're, like, rolling out the drug. They're showing it going into bottles. And then they cut to the scene of the queen approving the drug oh, with a rubber stamp. That's right. randomly. <laughs> yeah, just the queen of England. She's, for some reason, she approves drugs in America. But he goes on a talk show, and he's all ready to talk about, like, the science of the show or the pill. And he and he's like, time to take some questions. And he's like, there's, like, this 90-year-old guy, and he's like... I want to be a scientist like you. What 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 advice would you give? And he's like, like the guy's ninety. Like you're not gonna be a scientist now. And he's like, work hard and stay in school. And everybody like cheers. So and to a ninety five year old man, right? So then the next question is like, how big is your house? He's like, I live in a tiny apartment. Oh shit! Hang on, wait. You yeah. forgot uh, at the beginning of the Nina Bamford show where it's yeah. like, you know, it's like your typical Sally, Jesse, Raphael, yeah. Jenny Jones, whatever the hell type of show it is. So she comes out and the crowd's cheering for her and she goes, hey, what does everyone think of my new outfit? And they all boo. Right. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. Okay. So 
So then, like, the next question is, like, do you think you look like Tom Jones? We think you look like Tom Jones. <laughs> and he's like, does anybody want to talk to me about the drug or, like, the, the chemical makeup of it or anything? And she's like, ah, I don't, like, get up and wiggle. Like, the host is like, get up and wiggle. And he's like, that's ah, not really my thing. And... He's like, uh, just give us a little wiggle. And he starts like wiggling and they start playing uh, a Tom Jones song. And they're like, yeah, right. Kiss by Tom Jones. Yes. Yes. It look, it, he looks a little bit like Tom Jones. And now he's kind of like getting into it a little more. And this is the beginning of his downfall into fame. Like this is the, the germ, the, the seed, if you will, Joe, of him starting to enjoy it. Uh, so. Now they cut to the two cops that we were talking about before sitting in a car. And they're like, did you see the, the the talk show this morning? He's like, yeah, it was all about toast fucking. Right? <laughs> all right. There I, I cracked up. I was like, he's like, toast fucking. What's that? He's like, you know, when you fuck or get fucked by toast. <laughs> and I just, he's like, no, that's, it was a different show. It was about that guy who created that drug. And he's like, oh, really? Maybe. Maybe I dreamt that. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe that's something you don't want to uh, to, to admit. So they're, they're going to leave, and he's like, well, i got to drain the weasel first. So he goes to the to the bathroom. like if It's like at a, tr- uh, a rest stop or whatever. And he goes to go in, and, and he clicks on the light, and you just hear, hey, no lights. And then, no, 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 no. What, what you hear is, lights off, asshole. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Right. In his super condescending gay voice. Right. Oh my god, this fucking movie. Go ahead. Well, all these, like, uh, you know, clunk, like, hiding gay guys come running out, and the cops just trying to stop them, stop anybody. And it's funny, because, like, he's just like, stop. He, all he's doing is stop, stop. There's, like, nothing. So then, like, after about, like, 40 people, uh, the the gay guy or the guy who was jerking off to gay porn was it Mr. November? Uh, right, played by Scott Thompson. Is that who it was? Wally Turzinski. Right. He uh he he comes running out and he's he's got his hands over his package, holding his clothes. He's completely naked and he's like, "There there's been a mistake. He's they they stole my wallet." And he's like, you know, just down there, like, and he's just like, just getting down, like, like he could just run, but he's there. So they end up taking him home, and they're getting him out of the car. And when he gets out of the car, he's still naked. He's got his hands over his junk, and he's handcuffed, and he's still, and he's walking up to the house, and he's like, "It's all a mistake. It's all a mistake. I swear." It's like a threes company, some threes company episode where somebody walks in the wrong door, and everything goes crazy. It's like, that's exactly what this is like, right, Joe? So he gets up there, and they're talking to the wife, and she's like, well, you know, we were going to arrest him, but we thought bringing him home bare-ass naked uh, would be punishment enough. Um, she's like, was the the handcuffs really necessary? And he's like, that was your husband's idea. Now, and- I just want to cut you off right there. That scene, and we'll get to one other scene in the movie, uh, were the two big clips that were in all of the commercials and trailers for this movie. Really? This, yes. Uh, about the, the, were the handcuffs really necessary? Your husband actually demanded of that and another scene that we'll get to later. Those were like the two jokes, quote unquote, of the commercial to try to hook you in, which really do not give you what this movie is really about. Unfortunately, it's selling a bill of goods. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. Right. 
So, and then now he, the, the, the wife shuts the door while he, oh no, wait, first the cop says, the cop just like slides up closer to the wife and he's like, ma'am, I don't know what it, what, what'd you say? Ma'am, go ahead. Ma'am. I don't know why don't, he's up to these shenanigans when he's got go a ahead. fine piece of ass like you waiting for him at home. <laughs> She's like, thank you, I guess. Yep. <laughs> so the cops leave. And she ends up shutting the door, and the husband's, like, just bare-ass naked on the porch, trying to explain, like, what happened, just yelling to the neighbors. Like, he's like, so, yeah, so there I was in the rest stop and the bathroom, and this guy came up to me, and he wanted to kiss me, and I was like, no, 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 no. And then they cut to him, and he's in the therapist from earlier in the thing. He's like, no, like, no, no, no. And, you know, I don't know why. It's like, these types... You know, we're in there and I was in the bathroom and he got close and, you know, he, I, he tried to kiss me. And I don't know why these types would think I'm that type. And I don't know why he tried to kiss me. He's like, well, didn't you pull him closer as you cupped his buttocks? And he's like, well, yeah, but I thought he could fall because he had his pants around his ankles. <laughs> and I just have to like to me that this was cracking me up, just the denial thing, because it was completely like ridiculous like this character like i said was one of my favorites in in the movie um so he ends up the therapist ends up writing uh a prescription for the for the the gleemanex and well the the doctor's like you're gay everyone knows you're gay blind (laughs) people know you're gay (laughs) the dog knows you're gay and he's like uh, uh what does he say he's like does this will this make me Will this make me something? He's like, no, hopefully it'll make you gay. He's <laughs> like, it'll just like, just, uh, you know, make you realize it. So, uh, now we cut back to the, the taxi driver from the beginning who's taking these people and they're talking about stuff. And he's like, yeah, that drug, that drug, it's like made from, uh, monkey cum. Well, they're like, what? <laughs> he's just like, yeah, yeah, they just get these, these, these monkeys. They don't let them have sex for a long time. Then they get them to, to jack off and then they take all that monkey cum and they boil it or something. <laughs> and they got Gleemanex. Now, I don't know if the science of that statement is like sound or anything like that, but it just made me laugh that like in his mind, you just take monkey jizz, boil it. And you have a wonder drug. <laughs> right. To me, and they're like, wait, wait a minute. That just doesn't make any sense. How, like, how do they get the monkeys to jack out? Like, they show them animal porn. Like, really sick, like, twisted animal porn. Kinky shit. Like, two cats fucking a dog. And, like, <laughs> a bat and a pig. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I don't know. So they offend him and he throws him out of the cab. Um, so now we cut to the, the Glenn Danzig guy again. He's in the, 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 the uh, club or whatever. And he's talking about the, he's like, I want to, I want to talk to you about, uh, drugs like heroin. He's like, no, not heroin. Like hash, not hash. Like they just going down the, the list of drugs. And it's, and the thing is, it's the entire crowd is yelling the same drugs out at the same time. That's the best right, it's part. Not like it, it's not like it's just wrong. one random person yelling something out. It's everyone yelling out the same drug. Right. So in the end, he's and and then it's at this point that I thought he was going to announce that he had taken the drug. Do you know what I mean? Right. As the joke was going to be, but he ends up saying like "fuck happy," and I'm like, okay, this isn't the part of the movie yet where, uh, uh, 
where he's going to have it, like that's a little later on down the line, but I thought that would have been a, a good place for it, but obviously it wasn't. So now they cut to the C, uh, Don, who's asleep in his office, when uh, Marv, did we say his name was Marv? Marv. Comes in and he's like, I got, you know, news on the, the Gleeman X. And he's like, well, what is it? He goes, before I give it to you, I just want you to know you can take data different ways. And, so, and he's like, it's like trying to soften the blow, it looks like. And then he gets it. And it's, you know, the, their company's like the big, the big graph line the longest. He's like, it's like you, you know, you fool or you, You're like we beat penicillin. <laughs> we kicked penicillin's ass. Yeah. Um, so he's like, can you give me the room again? <laughs> so he can just scream. We beat, uh, we, uh, beat penicillin and everything. So I'm like, okay. So now we cut back to the gay guy, and he's deciding what, he's watching Mister November again, and he's gonna take the pill. And he takes the pill, and we get those special effects again for the brain, and it goes to his happiest moment. And it's when he's in, I guess he was in boot camp or something in the army, and it was his drill sergeant, just like, "I'm gonna work you hard, son. We're gonna do push-ups." together and we're gonna do and he's like smiling like he's all happy about it. he's like you find that funny well you know what you're gonna have to do your push-ups on your back while, while i'm right here what do you think of that and you're you know you're gonna we're gonna get big muscles hard muscles <laughs> muscles you didn't know you had and at this point it's just so over the top that i'm kind of laughing at it so he takes and this is when he you know he, the, the family's downstairs watching the Lone Ranger of all things. Right. Oh, and that's the other gag is. So, like, you know, it's like, when does this movie take place? Obviously, it was released in 1996. Everyone's kind of more or less dressed contemporarily. But for some reason, the two kids in this house are watching like a 1950s TV. Right. With the 1950s episode of TV on. Right. Right. So, uh, He's like, he just comes down while they're, while they're doing, he's like peeks his head down the steps. And he's just like, Hey everybody, I'm gay. And that's like the kids high five and the wife's all happy and they go outside and they're in a, like a, like a line just walking. There's like the neighbor raking the grass with his wife and he's like, Hey, I'm gay. And they're all happy. <gasps> he's and he just gay. It's gay. And it just turns into this gay parade in the street of like people coming up. There's like gymnasts doing flips. Like, like I, I, like I said, I don't know. And then at the end of this parade, they all stop and they kind of cover him up and he comes out and he's wearing wrestling, yellow wrestling attire. Right. Um, and like the thing that made me like all this, has nothing to do with what's making me laugh in the scene. They're just like, he's gay, and they're holding him up. And while they're just doing that overlong, like, silent moment of nobody moving, there's just, like, a kid walks out from behind a garbage can, <laughs> like, a, like a three-year-old, and just disappears behind the crowd. Like, I'm like, okay, like, I don't know, did they plan that? They're <laughs> just a thing. So then... You know, he, he's, he's gay now. Um, so we cut to a party for like the, the pharmaceutical company and it just starts out with like the bouncer there, like, like this old, like distinguished couple shows up and he's like, the guy's like, these are, these fucking invites are forgeries. Get out of here. It's like, like, I don't know. I just found it amusing that these, this old couple would forge. Right. Like to me, that joke was like such a Simpsons joke. 
<laughs> right. It's like, cause it would be like, like a young couple, you know what I mean? Trying to get in. So then another couple comes and he, and, and he lets them in and, uh, all the, the scientists are there, but they take, uh, Marv comes over and gets, uh, the, the main scientist to take him off and, and wander him around the, the party. And he has somebody he wants to meet. Um, and it turns out to be Cancer Boy. Oh, and, God. Remember what? when I said Cisco might be in my top five favorite film characters of all time? Yes. Cancer Boy is in my top five favorite film characters of all time. Okay. Do you want to handle this scene? Okay. So. (laughs) I wouldn't want to ruin one of your favorites. All right. So, Cancer Boy, uh, Marv introduces Dr. Chris Cooper to Cancer Boy, played by Bruce McCullough, who's like a kid wearing pajamas and a bald cap and a baseball, uh, like a bald cap and a baseball hat over him. Mm -hmm. And, uh. He's like, and I'm I'm gonna do my best to do the voice, but not do it in as an offense as as an offensive way as they did it <laughs> until the end. But he essentially thanks uh, Dr. Chris Cooper for making the drug, and uh, Chris is like, oh, are you on the drug? And he goes, no, but my parents are. <laughs> and he's like, I'm incurable. My brother was born with his organs outside of his body. <laughs> It's so uncomfortable. And fucking Marvin, Dr. Chris, are just like having it, whatever, with this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Cancer Boy. And Chris Cooper goes, and like, Cancer Boy goes to extend his hand, and Chris Cooper shakes it, and Cancer Boy goes, Ow, my marrow's low. Yep. <laughs> and then Chris Cooper leaves, and Cancer Boy's in the little chair, and he's doing the thing. Uh, like, on the motorized chair to go, like, back and forth, and he's like, and he says, did you see? Did you see the doctor and me? Did you see? Did you see? <laughs> you really like this movie, Joe. I love this fucking movie so much. I'm killing myself. Oh, my God. So, so... <laughs> but oh, just as a side note, Paramount Pictures wanted the Cancer Boy stuff completely removed from the movie, and they said no. <laughs> no wonder why they buried this fucking film. <laughs> oh. oh my god, I'm crying. Are you okay? Do we need a minute? No, go ahead. Continue with the description of the film. Right. So now Marv takes oh. uh, uh, Cooper to see uh, a Don in the basement, and he comes down in an elevator, and they're there, and they're talking. Uh, and as so Marv's going to leave him, and he's leaving in the elevator. And the elevator is just like one of those cages that you can see it as it's going up. And for some reason, Foley is just like, like ducking so he could watch what was going on the whole time till, till the elevator finally leaves. And Don's getting a head scratch, I think is what it was. Yes. From some lady. And he's just, just an asshole, but he's like, now <laughs> scratch my head. All right. Now like heart, now softer, now, no circles. Not those kind of circles, different circles. And I'm just like, oh, I fucking hate this guy. Okay, like, now, the thing about that is, as I mentioned, uh, the portrayal of Don is Lauren Michaels, okay? Right. You know that scene was not written. That scene really happened, whether it was to Lauren Michaels or to someone else. And they're like, fuck this. This guy that we're seeing this happen to in real life is an asshole. We're putting this in our movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Because, like, that didn't feel like something, you know what I mean? Like, you, you understand what I mean? Like, it wasn't written. Like, that was something they saw happen in their dealings with Hollywood, you know? Right. That oh. it's like, this is, this is what it's really like sometimes. Right. Ugh. But when it comes to Cancer Boy, too, one of the things that I enjoyed is Cancer Boy gives him a piece, like an hors d'oeuvre. Right. And for the next eight minutes of scenes, uh, the character that he gave it to has the, the hors d'oeuvre, and he's just walking around with it. Because then, like, he goes to see Don, and the head scratch and everything, he's still holding it. And Don announces that, that they're going to take Gleeminex and make it non-prescription. And he's like, that's not what this was about. It was about making, like, the truly depressed people who, like, can't get out of bed in the morning, like, about them, like, not just people who had a bad day, like, and he's like, we, this isn't a thing. He's like, well, this can get it to ghetto children. Are you, are are you against are, ghetto are, children? Are you being? aware that ghetto children are sad, Chris? <laughs> But before that, when Chris comes in and he, and, he, and Don offers him the head scratch, he's like, "Is there anything else I could get for you?" And he's listing off all these things, and then he's and Chris's like, "No, no, I'm fine." And he goes, "Oh, here's another list of things I'm going to name off." And Chris's like, "No, no." And the next one is one of my favorite lines of the movie: "Oh, anything I could get you? Double uh, A batteries, land in Montana, you know." While I'm offering all of these things, they are already yours. You know this, correct? <laughs> The wide sweep of double-A batteries to land in Montana. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know. Uh... Go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. So... We gotta the... hit all my favorite points. No, I know, I don't want you to miss a moment. Um, <laughs> so while they're talking, they walk to this other place, and they walk out, and there's all these people, and he's like, what is this? And he's like, this is the real party? And he's like, hey, everybody... And I want to introduce you to somebody like the scientist Chris Cooper who created Gleeminex. And as they do it, like everybody stops, like the the cello player stops and all the people in the party stop and look, except for one guy walks out by the pool who has, you know, a self-contained underwater breathing apparatus, (laughs) a scuba suit, if you will. And I'm just like, and at that moment on the little screen, I'm like, is that guy in a fucking scuba suit? Like, and I only realized because after he introduces him, he, the scuba guy jumps in the pool. And I'm like, okay. So now this is when the, the doc, the, the scientists who, who invented it with him are like, wait a minute. Where, where is Cooper? Where's, like, I don't see him anywhere. And for some reason at the shitty party, they're televising the good party <laughs> on monitors. And he's like, oh, there he is. And Alice is like, looking at him and she's she's flirt he's start like a woman starting to flirt with him and at this point she ends up feeding him the hors d'oeuvre that cancer boy gave him that he's had all this time and she's like oh like they must be like friends or something and i'm like "Uh, okay so then like we get that and like that's another little nod that like he that he likes that the girl's hitting on him that he's starting to enjoy this fame and we get like some titles that say it's uh three months uh later. And they cut to Don and Cooper in this the big room again executive. And Cisco. And, and Cisco and they're working 
on Gleemanex for dogs. And this is where, like, Cooper's starting to become shitty. He's like, I don't see it. This isn't the dog that I had in my mind. And There's I was just a gonna dog in my dogs. mind. This just isn't it. Right. I, I'm going to have to see more dogs. Of course you're going to have to see more dogs. More dogs. More dogs. And then maybe my favorite Cisco line is about to happen, Joe. <laughs> where uh, Cooper goes like, my Chino, and Cappuccino, it's a, it's Luke. It's Luke. And the lady goes, Luke warm? And Cisco goes, no, Luke, Luke Skywalker, you fucking inbred. <laughs> what a delight Cisco is. I was like... And, and Cooper's like, yeah, like, like he's all like he hated this guy before, but now he's like, I just like that. No, Luke Skywalker, you fucking inbred. Um, so now they cut back to uh, Glenn Danzig at the, the 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 place that he plays, and he's like, he's got something to announce. He wants to talk about drugs again, and he's like, not heroin or whatever. And he ends up doing this song, and it's called Happy Pies, and people and realize. What? That he wrote in the park. Yes, that he wrote in the park that he has uh, come up with. And they end up like showing the video for it where there's like a giant pie that's really a pool with stuff. And all these people are diving in it. And the video has some of the people that have taken that you've seen, like the gay guy and other people like the 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 957. What? The cops. The cops are in it. And, like, then there's just people that we haven't seen. They're, like, everything's happening. It's happy pies. There's there's, and, a, there's a preacher who is scolding a man who's just wearing a towel. Right. <laughs> there's a Native American gentleman. And then once they all go into the happiness pie, they're all wearing, like, these pleather outfits instead. These brightly colored pleather outfits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so stupid. So it's the video. And then the video ends... And they're announcing that it won, like, whatever version of MTV Awards it is in this world. <laughs> and he comes out and he, like, he, like, thanks him for it. And he, and, and he leaves. And then they Wait, announce. He says, smile, it's free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so bad. And one of my favorite shitty things from award ceremonies is where the person goes to get off stage and they go the wrong way. And the people that he's with have to, like, hustle him off the other way. Right. (laughs) So stupid. So now it's time for the next award. And it's a German supermodel, which is one of the, the, the actors. And the, and the, and Chris, the scientist. And, and it's just, and it's like the, you know, there's a science to write, like the shitty banter that they actually give, like people who aren't like celebrities. Like if anything, like something like this does happen and they invite them to like the Oscars and empty, they give them some shitty line. And that was the line that there's a science to writing good songs. And the model's like, you'd know, Chris. And it's just like, and like you said, that would be something you would see in an award show. And the award for was rap, hip hop, or folk music. And one of the one of the people who were up for the award was Cancer Boy again, <laughs> whose album Whistle When You're Low for the track. And the thing that he ended make making me laugh was that he it was he was whistling happily Fields of Athen Rye. Have you ever heard Fields of Athen Rye? No. <laughs> it's a song 
about uh, a guy in in Ireland or England or wherever who's stealing food off like the queen or the king's preserves to feed his dying family and he ends up getting arrested and sent to the penal colony in Australia and while while this is all going on it's the guy yelling to his wife over the prison wall to to raise their his kid with respect and to he- have his hand held high and she ends up like standing on the pier watching the prison ship leave and he's yelling it again it's like the fucking saddest song you ever <laughs> like to me like knowing this Oh, Jesus Christ. Stop playing shit! That's not me. It's my phone. I forgot to turn the the uh, the, the ringer off. Um, uh, so it's this song. It's like the most depressing song you're ever going to hear. And it's in the middle of this, like, Cancer Boy in his album, Whistle When You're Low. I, I don't know. It just, it, it just made me absolutely crack up. Did I mention that Cancer Boy is one of my favorite characters in film history? Uh, no, you didn't. No, okay. you didn't. Um, so now he's leaving the award show. Chris, uh, pronouns pal. Uh, Chris is leaving the award show with Cisco. And he's walking out and they're all like, and now he's full blown into the, into the, you know, the fame. And everybody's like yelling for him. And there's this guy yelling like, Chris, Chris, I love you, man. I took your drug and without it, I would have, I, w- I probably would have killed myself. Can you, can you, can you get an autograph? And, in maybe the second darkest scene in the thing, he says, do you mind if I sign your scars? And he turns his hands over, and he has, like, suicide scars on his wrist, and he's like, he signed my scars! And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, did I just see that? Uh, and then for no reason, while Cisco is getting the limo, he gets attacked by a bird. Flies right <laughs> into his eye! Like, there's something in my eye, it's a bird. And there's a great the great ADR line of There's a bird in my eye. <laughs> it's revenge from the bird that he hit with his car. Mm-hmm. It all comes back. Oh, that's I didn't get it, okay. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> now in my defense, I had watched the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie eight hours apart. Oh my god. Due to a series of events. So um uh, okay, so we go, Chris is at home, right. he's in bed with a bunch of women, and uh, Alice shows up to say there's something wrong with one of the mice, one of the original mice that they tested Gleeminex on, right? Right, but before that, the, there's knocking on the door, and Chris is in bed with one of the with one of the women that he saw coming out of the thing, and he's like, oh, like, I gotta... Uh, you know, I got an answer. There was somebody answered the door, and they cut to Cisco, who was just sitting in a chair watching him with the two women in bed. Like, you want me to get it? He's like, no, no, I, I'm decent, I'm decent. So he sends the girl down, and and she opens up the door, and Alice is there, and she's like, oh, like, is your uncle home? She's like, uncle? It's like, oh, yeah, my uncle's home. Like, hey, uncle, you know, somebody's here to see you. And he's like... It's like, oh, hey, Alice, and she shows him the the, the mouse or the or the hamster or whatever, and he's like, oh, everything's gonna be fine, everything's gonna be fine. The other girl comes downstairs, and now she's she's all upset, and she's like, you know, I I loved you, and leaves, and comes back in, and you know, I almost we almost kissed, and she leaves, she comes back and says, and finally, Cooper just walks over the door and locks the door and makes sure before before she can come back in, and it's at that point 
one of the, the, the models or women or whatever goes, you know what? I could go for some wings. Should we get some wings? And you just hear Cisco from upstairs, get a receipt. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Chris is looking at the thing, uh, the mouse, and he comes down, and Cisco comes downstairs, and again, another great ADR line. He says, so, you girls ready to sign that thing to say this night never happened? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, now at this point, Cooper is going to the lab to, like, check on things. And when he opens the lab doors, all these guys come running out, just like the bathroom scene with the cops earlier before. And the best part is Brendan Fraser is there. And he just goes running off. And then in the end, it's the, the, the gay guy from, from earlier on just comes out. And he's like, all yours, chief. And he just like, just walks off. Oh, and he's like, my goodness. So uh, he goes in there and he sees the monkey, you know, is in a coma. And he's like, oh, and he's like tapping him. And now as we're, we're, we get to know that anytime you see someone in a coma, you might get a little bit of what their happiest memory is. So the happiest memory that the monkey had was winning chess against one of the scientists. So I just thought that was cool. So he's like, shit, if this is like, you know, these were the test animals, what's it going to do to humans? So the first person was 957. So he goes to see her at the house. And maybe because, like I said, I watched the movie like after a while. What was the joke with the cats on the ceiling? Okay. Um, one would assume it was just a weird thing where like she's a crazy cat lady cat on the ceiling so that you could get to the joke where the cat falls on his head and he says cat on my head cat on my head the other joke from the trailer of this film okay really yes so he's looking around he goes he goes to the window and he sees uh the, the lady outside pouring tea while two kids are standing under her dress. So he's like, he goes out and he's like, shoes them off. And he ends up, uh, you know, trying to wake her up and, and tapping her and everything. And the whole time she's pouring tea, just nonstop. And he, it turns out to be the memory of Christmas. They just show it, you know, just clip it. And they show that she's reliving it over and over again. They cut back. She's still pouring the tea, so it's I just like that I like that little gag. So uh Cooper runs, goes to see Don to tell him what's happening, and for some reason Don is having a bris for his nephew in the office. <laughs> and while he's like and there's a little joke here that cracked me up where he ends up start telling him like Everything, you know, that's wrong with the drug, like, this is, and that's happening, and this is happening, and and we have to do something about it. And he's like, let's take a walk. And the camera turns, and it's all the people at the Brits watching him, and the lady who has a big, like, video camera from the time, and she's been videotaping the conversation the whole, like, she's just, like, not that, like, stopped, because everybody stopped to stare, and she's just, I don't know, I just thought that was the, the like, the... The dumbest thing. So he's like, wait, I want to show you some. And he's like, uh, he goes downstairs and it's a bunch of cases. He's like, you know, like when World War II happened, there was accessible losses, acceptable losses. It was like 5%. And we knew it was going to take a lot and cost a lot to get the Germans out of France and everything. He's like, so these are acceptable losses. And he goes downstairs and they show that he knows that they've had a bunch of coma people and there's one lady whose best memory was funky town 
Right, of, dance uh, in a funky town. Yeah, uh, you know, and he's like, well, we can't, we can't do this. And they cut over to the, to 957 and she's still pouring tea out of the cup. It's still running. Cause they went and got her. Somebody must and be refilling that teapot. I was going to say, right? So, <laughs> so he's like, listen, you know, things happen. When I created, uh, Stummies, what were they called? Stummies. Stummies. I have B in there. Uh, Stummies. He's like, and at this point, Cooper's had enough and he's like, fuck Stummies. And he's like, I will not fuck Stummies. And he puts his finger in his face and he's like, don't put your finger in my face, Don. Yeah. Get, get, don't slap my head. Well, don't get that finger out of my face. Don't slap my finger. Get that finger out of my face. And they go back and forth and he hits him and he's like, well, that's it. I'm out of here. And Don leaves. And as he leaves, the door shut and you just hear, ow, my finger. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's just a, a, a funny gag. So Cooper leaves and he ends up going outside. And then the gay guy's out there with uh, his uh, partner, if you will. And they're in matching uh, green sailor, <laughs> sailor uniforms. <laughs> And he's he's in a coma, and the guy's like, "Yeah, we we said, you know, you know, what's the matter? No secrets from sail from us sailors." Like, I don't know why. No secrets among sailors is another fantastic line, right? So he ends up falling over, and all the drugs spill in a very cinematic moment, um, uh, at at Cooper's feet, and he ends up picking one and looking at it, and he's seeing all the the people like. Um, Alice, she's like, you said the drug was safe. You said the drug was safe. And then she's just chugging gin. <laughs> and then uh, 957, thanks for the coma, Chris. <laughs> I just like, so he ends up, uh, he gets, uh, he goes to get the, uh, the media. He decides to get the media. And the only people that shows up are, uh, college radio. <laughs> Who was the other one? It was something in helmets. Uh, it was like weapons and helmets or some shit yeah, like that. Yeah. And girl beat. Um, so they go and he's like, he's going to take them. And that's when, uh, Marv shows up again and he's like, well, come with us. I want to talk. This will just take a few minutes. And they end up going and he's like, well, what's this? And he's like, this is the real press conference. And he looks at the, like the, the poor, the poor media people. And he's like, there's food. And they end up running off. And they go, and it's uh, for the Gleemanex, uh for the comas. And Don's like, well, we have these, uh, what was the word for Comatoriums. He's like, we're creating these comatoriums for everybody, and they'll be well taken care of. And it's 957 with his shitty son and daughter-in-law again. He's like, yeah, well, they, you know, they're going to take care of her, where they're going to, you know, feed her and read to her. And you get this, if you're lucky enough to have one of your loved ones send up, you get this $10,000 check. And uh, he's like, you know, like, Cooper's like, this is, this is wrong. Like, does she look happy? And of course, cause she's on the Gleeman X, she's like, everybody's like, yeah, she, she, she kind of looks happy. So there was a, a clause early that he, they made, Don made Chris sign, like the contract that was just like thrown a throwaway. And he's like, well, I just want to announce that Chris is clinically depressed. He's been, you know, diagnosed as clinically repressed, uh, depressed. And he's like, well, what does that mean? It means legally he has to take the drug. So Marv and Don are like, you have to, oh, and then I, I like Don at this press conference has his whole arm and finger in this like 
metal, like, ro- like robotic skeleton thing around. Yeah, to keep it from moving so it doesn't get hurt. And he's like, well, you have to take it. And in, like, uh, like an Aaron Brock, uh, Brockovich, was that the name of the movie? Moment where he's like, if I have to take it and it's so safe, why don't you take it? And Don's like, well played. Wait, you know, I need to stop you right there. Two other things. Okay, I'm sorry. Before you get to the crescendo of the film. Mm-hmm. So, Don at this point, with the robotic arm skeleton on, is wearing the exact, almost to a T, except in a much darker gray than the normal gray outfit that Dr. Evil wears in the Austin Powers movies. Go and look at it. It's He's wearing the Dr. Evil outfit, but just like in black instead of gray. Maybe that was an outfit he actually liked to wear. Right. So as Chris is making his big speech, as he's walking through the throngs of reporters. Oh, I like, know what you're going to do. And he's like, people are supposed to be depressed. You know, maybe I didn't have a good day, or maybe this didn't happen, or maybe I don't really look good in that yellow hat. And as he walks by, one of the reporters is wearing this ridiculous yellow hat. And then as the camera cuts, she's over his left shoulder just crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so stupid. So Don says, like, well played. You know what? They are harmless. And we will take the drug. He's like, Marv, take the drug. And Marv's like, you son of a bitch, you kind of a thing. And he's like, all right. And he takes it. And they do the CGI thing. And he ends up going into his mind. And it's you just he's standing in a room with all these cups. And you just hear Don off camera. Like, is that cap? Bring that cappuccino. Do I have to come in there and, you know, be a jerk or do whatever? And he's like, one moment. And he's like, what's the hurt? What's like, what's the holdup? And the, the other guy with Marv is like, I can't do it when you're looking. And basically he's ending up pissing in Don's coffee and Marv's going to take him the coffee. And that's his happiest moment. So they end up cutting back, you know, to, to our to outside his mind. And he's like, all right, see, you know, we've taken it. Now it's your turn. So he walks over and he gives it to, to Chris and he puts it in his mouth and this is this is where Chris is going to lose, right? Wrong, Joe, because he ends up grabbing Don by the balls and squeezing. When Don screams, he spits the Gleeminex back into his mouth. And he ends up having his vision. And his vision is having Marv bring him that cappuccino and drinking it because it's the little things. And that was the best cappuccino that he had. So uh, that's when – now – how does it – I get a little confused. Okay, so it cuts back and, like, uh, uh, Don is, like, tripping. Right. He, t- he took his shoes off and he's like, everything feels good. I took my and shoes the, off. And, and he's the like, socks match the carpet. Right. And he's, like, doing, like, funky arm motions. And then that's where that scene sort of ends and Chris just kind of leaves. He runs off, and then we go back to our reliable yet unreliable narrator, the racist cab driver <laughs> – Right. Who was just kind of telling how everything fell apart. No one right. really knows whatever happened to Chris Cooper. Uh, many people say, and he hopes that this is true, that he's working on a cure for this. Right. My favorite part, though, he's like, and did it go away? No, they celebrate these these coma patients and treat them like fucking astronauts. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm, you know, and he thinks he's, he, people say that Cooper's in a, in a Kiss tribute band. He plays three nights a week in some wing shack. But, you know, I, other people say that he's, uh, 
he's trying to work on a cure for uh, Gleeminex and they, like, you know, they do the shot where they, the camera goes down through the ground and he's in the sewers with the other scientists trying to, to get uh, a, a dep- have the most depressing moment in your life. And they end up getting it and giving it to nine, five, seven. And they've decided that they have a, a cure for, you know, whatever it is. And then that's when Alice is like, well, we can kiss. And he's like, we don't have time for that. You know, there's a whole world that we have to make depressed because we just made an old lady unhappy. She's like, there's, there's all the time in the world for that. And they end up like kissing. And then we see what the 957's most depressing moment was. She gave her granddaughter or grandson, I forget what, uh, a bunch of balloons and they, she uh, floated away, but it's okay. She landed several days later and grew up to be, ironically, a uh, uh, airline pilot. So I, we did get a happy ending, he says. All right. And then he tells everyone to get the fuck out of the theater. Yeah, because you can't <laughs> sleep here. All right. Which I didn't like because I wasn't in the theater. It threw me off. Right. So, Todd, I don't think anyone loves this movie as much as I do. Right. <laughs> what did you think of this movie? I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was the end-all, be-all. And I was actually taken back because I thought the way you described it from the uh, the, the thing that you uh, read off last yeah. week, that it was more of a sketch comedy thing. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting for sketch comedy. Now, granted, there's a like you, you could count the flashbacks to their memories as sketches, but to me, this is one cohesive co- cohesive story, like with a middle, beginning, and an end. Right, there's and no- I, I, I tried to say that where a lot of times when these movies happen, like Wayne's World, like Wayne's World has a plot, but Wayne's World is a bunch of just essentially rejected SNL sketch ideas, and well, that's kind of where a lot of those movies go when they do something based off of Saturday Night Live or whatever the hell it is. And I was trying to kind of downplay it a little bit to say, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a thread through the film. Sure, sure, you know. But, but like, yeah, so- you could take, like, parts of this. Like, you could take the whole thing of, like, Wally the gay guy out and just, like, all of his scenes, and that's a sketch. You could take, like, all of Cisco's stuff out and, like, all of that's bits together. That's a sketch, right? Like, the asshole mm-hmm. PR guy, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel as though they did a very good job of weaving everything together as a cohesive narrative. Yes. So, like I said, at no point, I see how you could do it. And, like, if you had a half-hour Kids in the Hall episodes, you could weave in and out the gay guy without the Gleeman X. You know what I mean? And and however you were going to end it or any of the other characters or or whatever. But like I said, at no point as I was watching it did I feel like it – I guess that's a good thing that it didn't feel like a bunch of sketches knitted together. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it. Just as a side, I want to mention, uh, this reminded me of one of my personal favorite Kids in the Hall skets. Skets, sketches, whatever the fuck. I always say it wrong. So Dave Foley is playing a guy, right? Kind of downtrodden, married guy, whatever. And he's watching TV, and he gets pissed off. At, like, all the soap and shampoo commercials. Because he goes, they show these women in the shower. We know they're naked. They're never going to show that they're naked, right? And he's just hot about it, right? Mm-hmm. And the commercial that he's watching, it's like they're panning up. 
and then they cut away right before they get to her boobs. Or they're panning down, and they cut away right before they get to her butts. And he's just, just ranting and raving about how stupid this is and how it pisses him off. So that's like us, like we revisit this guy throughout the this particular episode. And then at the very end of the episode, they don't cut away, and they show the girl's boobs in the commercial. And he freaks out, and it's him running around telling everyone that it finally happened, and no one believes him. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it was just a, a delusion. Right. But we as the viewers see it. So, yeah, but he maybe we're in his head and we're seeing his delusion. Right. We're seeing him seeing the we're enjoying him enjoying his delusion. <laughs> you know? So I'm glad you enjoyed this movie. Like I said, I don't think anyone enjoys this movie as much as I do. I know Should Dave they? Foley actually fought to have his name removed and disavowed any uh, association with the film and actually quit during the making of the movie. Did he really? And, yes, he was very unhappy with the way things were going. And then, like, ten years later, uh, he, he's like, yeah, I was involved in the I was more involved in the film than I let on. I was just very mad at the time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Dave Foley's actually a very... There was a period of time there, like, in the early to mid-2000s, where he was a very open and honest yet very bitter guy, because I guess he had gone through a very terrible divorce. Mm -hmm. And he would just be doing these, like, podcasts and appearances and all this other shit, like, in the real early days of podcasting. And everyone's like, oh, Dave, what are you on here to promote? You know, like, news radio is gone. He's been in a couple film projects here and there. And he's going on all these podcasts and shows and everything. And they're like, oh, what are you on here to promote? And he's like, well, I'm actually on here uh, looking for work. Uh, really can't get hired these days. And I lost all my money in a real bad divorce. So if anyone's hiring uh, and was a fan of my work and Kids in the Hall or News Radio, uh, please contact me because I need to work. Wow. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh, but it was like, how often do you see, like, that's typically, I would say, 20% of people that go on a podcast or do some sort of appearance on a web show or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you think to yourself, why is that person on this show? Mm -hmm. It's probably because they are currently or just went through a horrible divorce. Probably. But so it was an interesting movie. So I see, I feel as though outside of Bronco Billy, that the soon-to-be-named movie project was a success. Screw you, Sposto. <laughs> I know it's a sore subject. I'm sore about having to watch it. But anyway, uh, what do we have planned for next year, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know. We're still thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Next year is all the way over there. It's like less than several days away. Right. And who knows, there might be an extra episode of After Dark between now and this episode of After Dark that might shed a little light on what next year's monthly project at this corner of longboxheroes.com is going to be. Could be. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, like I said, this is the last regularly scheduled episode of After Dark for 2018. And I do want to thank everyone for bearing with us. You know, through all the stuff and hanging with us, you know, for as long as we've been doing these shows, whether it be this show or Longbox Heroes, um, you know, both Todd and I are up here on Christmas Day evening, 
when we very easily could be in bed. You heard Todd's bad day that he had at the beginning of the day here. I'm an old man who just wants to sleep and not do anything. But, you know, we always like to make sure that you guys who enjoy the show are enjoying the show and making sure that we're here for you. Right. And uh, I, I think we do a good show. I think we do a, a better than average show. I've never listened to it myself. But we get uh, positive feedback, you know, and I, every time I see people retweeting it or people who are, like, in on our jokes and have been with us, you know, from the beginning with this show or Longbox Heroes or, or you know, Weekly Longbox or whatever it is, you know, Todd and I have been consistently, regularly, um, you know, Three Guys From Nowhere stuff, of course, goes back a little bit further, but, you know, we've been coming to you guys once a week, if not twice a week. For the better part of the last seven years. I cannot believe that. I know. Some people pat themselves on the back because they got the 16 episodes. Ooh. <laughs> well, they're, and they'll never listen to this because they check out as soon as we start talking about the movies. Nah, hell again, somebody might stooge off to them that they get mentioned and where it is, but fuck all that. Anyway, listen yeah. to the whole goddamn show. Wow. <laughs> listen just to, like I listen, listen to the to whole A-Tom. show, you coward. That's just like the way I listen to the whole A Todd's with wrestling. All of it. Right. Or no I say all of it or none of it. Right. Hashtag all of it or none of it, Joe. All or nothing at all. Exactly. So yeah, you know, whether you bought a shirt or a sticker or a pin, uh, you know, you bought something through our Amazon click through, you told somebody about the show, or even you just download it every week, you know? No matter how big or how little your commitment to the show is you know, we appreciate it. We really do. Um, and that's really all. You know, it's Christmas time. It's the holiday season. I feel good about doing the show. I love talking about dumb shit like this with Todd. And as I mentioned earlier, when he had stopped by the house on Monday, it, it that brightened my day. Wow. Yes. Uh, you know what? I'll stop by your house a lot then. Well, not unannounced. <laughs> right, no, I would never do that. Um, it was fun to come down and discuss uh, Nintendo for half hour and and wrestling and rings and comics and right. all kinds of good shit. Stuff and things. Mm-hmm. So I guess is there anything else? No, I guess we just wish everybody a Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, be safe, don't drink and drive, all that sort of jazz. And uh, we'll be here for another great 2019, more Longbox Heroes After Dark, more soon-to-be-named Network, all the shows and such and such as that you've come to love over these last seven or so years. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you all here next week, or sooner, who knows. Bye.